This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> How to fall in love with your life again even if you have lost touch with what makes you happy. Your life looks successful on the outside, but on the inside, you feel that something is missing. Maybe you recently lost a loved one, your kids left the nest, or you were downsized from your job. Maybe you are working harder than ever, but feel like you are getting nowhere. Life is not as happy and fulfilling as you once imagined. You wonder whatever happened to your hopes and dreams. Are you ready for a change but won't know where to turn? Feeling stuck and don't know how to get out of your rut? Lori Morin provides a path for women to return home to their deepest desires and values, to create meaning, and to share their gifts with the world. It is an invitation for you to become the Shiro of your own life. Putting yourself first sounds good, but how can you? There's too much stress and not enough time. It's exhausting being overgiving, people pleasing, and burned out. In the middle of everything, how do you ever figure out what you want most for yourself? Valeria Telles interviews Lori Morin, the author of Shiro's Journey, a story-guided adventure to self-discovery and empowerment. Lori Morin strives to help you find the space, time, and resources to prioritize yourself, rewrite your old stories, and create a clear vision for the future. Through her book, retreats, coaching, and community, Lori supports those ready to plan adventurous lives and legacies. Meet Lori at lorimorin.com. Here is the interview with Lori Morin. In your own words, who is Lori Morin? I've been thinking about this question quite a lot um, as I lead my own retreats and I ask people who they are if they don't define themselves by their jobs or their relationships. I think it's so hard for us to just be who we are instead of what we do. So my answer for now is that Lori is an adventurous free spirit who enjoys traveling, learning about other cultures, and guiding people through their own journeys, both inner and outer journeys. Yeah. Is that what you call the purpose of your life? What are you doing today? Or it's something different? You... I, a little bit different. I've come to the conclusion that, you know, I, I used to define my purpose by what I did. And now I define it by who I am. And to me, it means 
um, in a continual state of learning, growing, and transformation. Transformation, that's a, a beautiful word. I often ask as well the difference between change and transformation. Do you see a difference, Laurie? I think there can be. I, to me, transformation is done at a much deeper level. Um, it's easy to change external circumstances. It's not so easy to change who we are inside. So my second official question is about success. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Well, to be successful to me is to be as present as I can in the moment and to experience everything that life has to offer. And I know that's not always joy. I mean, sometimes, you know, people think, well, I want to be joyful all the time. I don't look at it that way, just to experience what is there and be fully present for it. Do you have any spiritual belief systems or practices? I have practices. Um, I wouldn't say that I have a belief system per se. I've drawn from a lot of different belief systems and I like parts of all of them. But I was just reading some quotes by Albert Einstein and I, I think he sums it up the best, really. It's beyond our understanding. And so I think anything that tries to put it into a system that you can quantify, you know, is going to fall short. So another question I have for you, the open questions, is authenticity. How do you describe what that is, what that looks like, and how authentic can we be? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I have always had authenticity as one of my greatest values, But it's taken me a long, long time to really figure out what that means for me and to help also my clients to experience it. And I think part of the reason it's been such a long journey is it really takes deep work to be authentic. You can't be authentic if you don't know who you really are. And you also can't be authentic if you're not willing to kind of put yourself out there and be vulnerable. If we are able to... Just be, it goes back to that idea of just navigating this reality without systems, belief systems, and just being present to what is present, then it's everything changes. The experience becomes so much more magical, I would say. Yes, I, I absolutely agree with that. I wonder if we can navigate this reality without storytelling, without I mean, telling stories to ourselves and kind of creating stories about other people in life itself in order to find meaning. Because I know the power of stories, how they can connect us, but at the same time, they're very much, they're very effective in separating us too. Yes, <laughs> that is the great paradox, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. So talk to me for a moment about that, Maury. Yeah, so I think the best thing that you can try to do is to own your own story. It's not like we can stop telling stories about ourselves or about other people or about what's happened to us, but we can try not to take on the stories of our ancestors and our culture without seeing if they really fit. And to do that, what does it take? Would you say self-awareness? This is part of the yes. healing work? Part, it's, it's a lot of the healing work. I mean, I think um, most of 
the saris that are handed down to us operate subconsciously. And we aren't even aware that we're telling ourselves those stories. So first, there's this whole process of just uncovering what the stories are, where they came from, and then evaluating whether we believe them or not, or whether we believe in a different truth or a different story. And it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. It definitely does. And it sounds to me like a very courageous act because that seems like to challenge the core beliefs, right, Laurie, of who we think we are. I ask the question here and I often wonder what drives us to do such a thing, to challenge our own foundation and structure of identity. That's a question that I ask because I have no idea why I did it. <laughs> I've been doing the work and I don't know exactly right. why. <laughs> yes, well, I'm not sure I, I have an answer either, but right. um, one of the kind of influences on my life when I was younger was um, Abraham Maslow and the hierarchy of needs. And this journey, I think we're all on for self-actualization. And I don't think you can get there without uncovering the stories. So I, I think that's what has pushed me is wanting to be the, the best and most real version of myself I can and understanding that there was a lot of work in uncovering things that needed to be healed first. Some say that that comes from suffering and pain, that they are the catalyst to this kind of transformation or self-actualization, as you say. Do you believe that? Or can we somehow transcend pain and suffering and still transform? Yeah. I mean, I think as humans, we all experience pain and suffering, but I don't think that has to be the catalyst. I think many of us are just on that journey um, from a very early age and the catalyst comes from within. It's spiritual. It's not um, external. I love that answer. <laughs> it, has been, it seems to me like has, my case has been both, but in the end, it might be just that, just life doing what it does. The spirit, as some call I really love the idea that we can move from understanding and knowledge to come from that place of perception or realization that this is already fulfillment, that to be in a human body, it's already the ultimate dream, the impossible that became possible. It always comes to me that way. Like, how is it possible to be now here talking to you and doing, it's just doesn't make sense to the no, mind, it right? It it's, a, it's a great mystery. <laughs> yes, and want to be celebrated without too much of the thinking operating system of trying to explain everything, why this happens, the way it happens. Although when I think about a question that I often ask is that I'll be asking you in the moment, what do you love most about being a human body? I ask this question. When it comes to me, I think about talking about these things, about the impossible of being here, sharing moments through deep conversations. 
that's what it comes to me every time. What do I love most about being here? So talk to me about that kind of realization. Is that something that could happen to everyone at some point? Or some of us, will, from your perspective, will never experience that kind of joy, I would say, peace and joy? Well, I, I think it's possible for everybody. I think that life circumstances can make it easier for some than for others. You know, if you look at that hierarchy of needs, it's difficult if you don't have food and shelter to experience those transcendent moments. But there are people who do it, so it's certainly not impossible. So, yeah, I think my definition would be very similar to yours. You know, just um, the realization that being here is kind of miraculous and that we are all connected that separation is a fallacy. So I have a few more questions for you. Let me ask you this one. What is true power to you, Laurie? True power? Mm. Um, the first word that came to my mind was autonomy over self um, because I don't believe in power over others at all. The power to be and the power to transform are probably the things that I would relate to the most. How do we learn to listen to the voice of intuition? And how is it different from the voice of our own belief systems and wounds? And I can go on with the list. From, right, from right. Voices. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think it's easy. And, you know, sometimes I still have difficulty knowing, is that my intuition or yeah. is that just some subconscious theme playing right. in my mind? <laughs> right. um, but <laughs> but yeah. one thing I've learned is it takes practice, um, which is why, you know, I do things like meditation. And I, I like to use oracle cards because I feel like um, they connect you. Visual representation connects you to your intuition better than words does. Yeah. Wow. So. Oh, yeah, because intuition a lot of times doesn't use language. So you're saying that by uh, visual themes, then it's, mm -hmm. it make, and that makes so much sense. Um, that is so interesting. But I less, it seems like I lost touch with them. It seems to me by listening to you now, it just came to me that I use language a lot. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I mean, it is, it is the way that we communicate with other people. But the reason I like stories is because um, they're a language that also is visual. Um, because when you read or you listen to a star, you immediately get images in your mind. Talk to me for a moment about the misconceptions about healing that we have. What are some of them that come to mind, Laurie? Well, in Western culture, one of them is that healing comes from the outside. It's something that is done to you um, rather than something you experience internally. I don't know. I haven't really given a lot of thought to this question. I have heard that all healing is self-healing and that my healing is your healing. By healing myself, then that resonates energetically and then other people my heal as well. Is that something that true to you? Yes, I, I do believe that because of what I said about um, everybody being connected. But I also, you know, I think we have to be wary a little bit about being solely on an internal journey of healing ourselves because 
of the reality of spiritual bypassing and, and kind of not acknowledging other people's pain and suffering. So I, I don't know. I think it's a delicate balance there. Uh, let's see another question. Yeah, let me ask you that question that I mentioned earlier. What do you love most or enjoy most about being in a human body? That's a really interesting question. Um, because sometimes, I, I think like most, most people, sometimes I feel like my body is betraying me. So I think it is that being in a body gives me the ability to connect with other people through touch, through talking and language, through stories. And it's really the connection that is important to me more than the body. Wow, that's interesting how, yeah, I think the same way. And I wonder if that sometimes gets in the way of that embodiment of of life itself, of being present. But this is part of the experience, right, Laurie? It's the yes, mind-body it connection. It's not just the mind or the body. It's connecting them. Yeah, well, I, I just feel about that, that, you know, as humans in a body or as spirits in a human body, let's put it that way, we are all going to experience pain and illness and the death of the human body. So, you know, that there has to be more to it than that. Embodiment has to mean more than just that. So embodiment to me is your body is your spiritual home. Is that the idea of liberation you have? It is. It is. I think that's what liberation theology is really all about. Yeah, very much. Feels like it. And my last question to you is 2020 has been a very, was a very interesting time. What insights have you gained and were the events in 2020 connected to spiritual evolution, spiritual growth somehow? Right. Okay, I'm going to take both of those parts separately. They're related, but um, for me, 2020 was a great awakening. I had retired from my job as a law professor at the end of 2019. And so I entered 2020 full of plans to travel and, you know, do other things that were not possible. But the growth I went through was learning um, what I've been talking about, that my identity was not what I did as a law professor, that my identity was who I was. And I think it was a gift to me because if I had just, you know, kind of gone on and said, oh, this is a great time. I'm going to go out and travel and do all the things I love doing. I wouldn't have come to that realization. And I would still be struggling with who I am. So, you know, for me, it was, it was actually kind of a, a great transformational period in my life. And it was both external and internal, but if it had not been for COVID, I don't know that I would have gone through that growth quite so quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe eventually, but not, not quite so quickly. <laughs> right. Wow. I know that there's something about existence, about life itself, that's benevolent, that's trying to get us to a place of freedom, as we talked about liberation. It really feels like that, although I know... Also, that life itself, it's indifferent in the sense of the paradox of good and bad. So everything 
just is, this is happening. And um, there's nothing good or bad, really. It's just what's happening. So with that in mind, it's really, for me, it's challenging to think about a purpose of life. Like, what is the purpose of the human experience? When I ask that question when, to myself and others, I don't know. Have you been contemplating that question or that idea, Laurie, lately? Oh, yes. I mean, it's actually something I've thought about my entire life. You know, what is the purpose of this? Why are we here? And um, I remember in college reading Viktor Frankl's um, book, Man's Search for Meaning. And, you know, I, I think I always come back to the same place, which is, it's probably beyond our comprehension. What is the meaning of life? But we can grow towards that understanding. I think both as individuals and as a planet, we're evolving. Einstein says there is no space or time, so I don't. Yeah. I can't really say sometime in the future. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> true. <laughs> at some point on this continuum, you know, maybe we will be at a point when we can understand it. Mm, yeah, yeah, I can relate to that when you say it's beyond rationality, so we can't really rationalize it. Uh, I absolutely agree. It seems like it can be felt or maybe perceived or somehow realized, but it's at a very, it's not really, really subtle, but it's, it's obvious and at the same time it's not. It's, um, we know why we're here. <laughs> In a way, it's like we already being that because that to me this is already fulfillment like this is just amazing to be here in a human body so it's already it it is already but we we don't always feel it yeah you know? right exactly <laughs> we don't yeah 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 that's it <laughs> yeah so it can become a feeling yes like like i used i'm writing about this and i love talking about it. it's the impossible realizing the impossible that we are already the impossible this is already right. fulfillment. Right. And, and you're right, it's not easily felt. For most of us, it's a, it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. And it's moment by moment. It's not every minute of every day. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. <laughs> so you wrote the book, Shiro's Journey, a story-guided adventure to self-discovery and empowerment. Talk to me about the main inspiration and intention of writing your book, Laurie. I think that the book grew out of my own experience, um, as, as most books probably do. And I had been on my own journey and had been healing a lot of the stories that I'd been told in my childhood and by my culture as a woman growing up in the 1950s about what women were supposed to do and not do and be and not be. And I just realized that even today, when you look at media and culture, the main paradigm is still the masculine model of external journeys and discoveries. So I, I wrote it really um, both to express what I felt I was learning and to hopefully help other women um, on the way. There's something that I read in your book. You said, it should be clear by now that you don't have to be a woman to be a mm -hmm. shiro. <laughs> you can be a male or a female. So talk to me about the shiro archetype. It's interesting. I didn't know that word. It is a relatively new word in, in usage in our country. I don't know about other places. 
But even so, most of the dictionary definitions, I think, get it wrong because they just say a shiro's the female version of a hero. And, you know, my perspective is quite different. I think that we're all born with a balance of so-called masculine and feminine traits. You know, we like to say the masculine is logical and linear and strong and the female is open and receptive and compassionate and loving. Well, we all have those qualities. Um, They're inherent in us as human beings. So what's been kind of the problem with at least Western culture is they overly glorify that male aspect of power and success, and they undervalue the feminine aspects of love and nurturing. And our whole society is structured around that dichotomy. So my, you know, my message is both genders and people who are non-binary and don't identify with either gender need to embrace fully all the qualities that they have within them. Did this happen before? Societies, ancient societies, civilizations that were balanced, they were in harmony with the feminine and masculine energies? Mm -hmm. Um, I have not actually read of any. There's been matriarchal societies and patriarchal societies, but, you know, I'm not an expert on it, but I've read a lot and I just haven't seen any societies that have fully integrated the two. Oh, wow. So it it might not have ever happened before. So, wow. What about if it happens now? (laughs) What if it (laughs) It might be be happening. Ah, Mm -hmm. how exciting. (laughs) If that would be the case. So you are a coach, retreat leader, guiding adventures, lives and legacies. I love that, the way you phrase it. What is it like to work with you and talk to me about the retreats? I have seen some of the, the images, the information on your website, uh, and I felt like being there already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like hope you do come sometime. Yes. I, yeah. I just came back from a retreat and, you know, There's just a lot of power when people come together in a space where the intention is to be fully themselves, to share their stories, to let themselves be vulnerable. And, you know, I I do a lot of activities structured around the book, but really what's most important about it is the opportunity to reflect and go deep and connect. When I looked at it, the images and reading about it, it just felt like almost like a piece of paradise. It was. We had a lot of fun. I'll tell you one of the things we did just as an example of, you know, um, this was one of the fun activities, but I had everybody bring a costume to dress up as their favorite hero, cultural icon or real person, living or dead. And... You know, we had everybody from um, Lucille Ball to Tippy Longstocking. You're not from this country. That may not resonate yeah. with you. But, <laughs> but <laughs> and somehow there's something about wearing a costume that frees you up to be more real. Mm, it's very interesting. Right. And I wonder why is that do we need, it's that a, a, a need, something that we must happen in order for us to feel uh, comfortable we need to 
cover what what is not <laughs> in mm-hmm. order to review <laughs> what it is <laughs> that, that that might be i mean i think it does it gives us courage you know things that we wouldn't claim for ourselves we can claim when we're pretending we're somebody else that's kind of sad to to acknowledge that that we came to this point right well, it is yeah. it is but it's it's a step in a process to get back to your authentic self so for a moment, something that is, um, has been a challenge for me is boundaries and try not to, to play that role of people pleasing and being a good girl, good person all the time uh, as mm-hmm. a woman. That's interesting to this day. It's still like it's a challenge for me to say no and to some people in my family, my husband. Talk to me about that, Lori. How did you do it? <laughs> I guess <laughs> oh, that's a more oh, direct you're question. Assu- you're assuming that I've done it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. You sound yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's it's definitely a process. I mean, those are those are cultural expectations, and they're a part of the dichotomy of growing up in a patriarchal society. That is what women are expected to do. And it's hard for us to change because when we do change, we may disappoint others. We may feel guilt. Um, so, you know, believe me, I'm still nowhere near the end of that process of healing. I think the first step is just acknowledging and recognizing that that's what you're doing. And, you know, seeing the patterns and then you have to change it one relationship at a time. Um, you know, it's it's easy to it's easiest to start with people who aren't so important to you. So to put boundaries on expectations of your your social group or things that don't really cut to the core. It's really hard and challenging when it comes to your family. Um, and I I'm in the midst of some issues with my mother over aging and so things that I thought have healed are coming to the surface again. And that's part of the healing process, isn't it? Is the exposure of what has been there hiding and operating subconsciously. Another question I have for you is about exploring our unique gifts and talents. How do we know, what are the signs when we are finally expressing them and living from those places? Well, I, I think the best sign is that you're in flow. You know, you, you know, your whole being knows when you're doing what you're meant to do. And you know when you're not, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it's so true. <laughs> the things that we ignore that a lot of times, or we try to, right, to um, kind of bypass those signs and especially when we are not being authentic not being ourselves and that goes back to the idea of uh, compromising trying to fit in and please others so we don't lose them I think that's partly it and I think it's also partly not being clear on our own values and what our definition of success is you know for example most people in this culture work too hard, too many hours without benefit to themselves. And, you know, they do it because that's what it takes to be successful externally in our professional world. Um, 
So until you look at yourself and you say, well, is that really my definition of success? You know, you almost have to do it. I love the chapter four in your book is your life is a dance of separation and identification. Ah, I usually use that word. I love the word dance. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> right. a dance, this movement, <laughs> and yes, hopefully a graceful one. If we can yeah, go deeper into healing, that might be possible. In that chapter, you say, I have something here that caught my attention. You, you write, when they separate from the feminine, young women go in search of a new identity to adopt. As you cycle through the stages of your life, you may find yourself identifying with or resisting one or more of these masculine and feminine archetypes. Even if they were not present in your own family, they are a part of a collective consciousness and have made an impact on our psyches. So true. Would you like to make a comment, elaborate on that, Laura, some more? Well, um, I just believe that none of us are born in a vacuum. So we try to learn and emulate the people who are important in our lives. And so, for example, if our mother, my, my mother stayed at home and my father went out into the workspace, when I decided I didn't want to just stay at home and I never wanted to depend on somebody else for money. The only role model I had to look to was my father. So I decided to be like him. And I think, I think it is a dance until you realize that opposites are really just the same energy. They're on a, it's a spectrum and they're the same energy. And somehow you have to break out of that vibration altogether to be who you really are. Oh, wow. Wow, that sounds inviting. <laughs> Very much. No longer a dance? Wow. <laughs> That's how I dance usually... with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds beautiful. So it's a, ah, this dance of self and everything else that's in here. So everything's happening within, it sounds to me, and it feels like that. So, wow, I love your wisdom, Laurie. It comes across not just through the work you do, the way you express, communicate these messages, but in the way you speak too. There's a, a sense of um, your voice, of clarity, of peace, of love. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, it's wonderful to hear. It's taken me a long time to get here. <laughs> yeah, it's truly beautiful. Thank you for being you. What is another word for healing? Growth. Yeah. And what was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? <laughs> that I wasn't perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell me about it. <laughs> that one. <laughs> uh, and that I didn't have to be. That's right. probably more important. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. We can all agree with that, I, I would say. <laughs> and my last question is, what are three things about life you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body, before they die? Um, Self-love radical self-acceptance and yeah i i would have to say healing 
Thank you so much again, Laurie, for what you do, how you do it, for being open to this natural, deep inner wisdom uh, and everything else in between. Thank you. And thank you for being you. I've very much enjoyed our time together. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? My website is www.lauriemorin.com. And just about everything I do is on that. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lori Morin and her work, please visit lorimorin.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.